It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Psy Tech Talk, taking the God story to a geeky place. Here's Michelle. Hey, welcome to My Michelle Live at SciTech Talk Tuesday, where, yeah, we get a little geeky. We look into science, the latest in studies and ideas, and inevitably, the more we learn through science, the more we delve deep, the more we find of the God story, and today's show is no exception. We're going to do it with a friend and a brilliant thinker. He is the founder and president of Reasons to Believe. He is an astrophysicist. He is the author of many, many books like Weathering Climate Change, a fantastic, probably the best book I have ever read read on the subject, very, very well balanced. The creator in the cosmos, improbable planet, uh, why the universe is the way it is, and many, many more. Dr. Hugh Ross joins us, giving us some reasons. And now, reasons to believe. Dr. Ross, welcome to and now my reasons to believe. Glad to have you and with now. us today. Oh, good to be with you. Well, today, uh, as you are listening, watching, reading, there's something that we're desperately lacking in our world, and that's the ability to think, think critically. We have really gone down a path of. Uh, anger and and um, doubt and fake, oh my goodness, fake news, right? I mean, that's been the catchphrase for many years. There's a futurist, Alvin Toffler, who said that the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and cannot write. It will be those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. In other words, we won't be able to critically think. We hold the wealth of human knowledge right here in our hands. We can look up anything, learn anything, make the world better. But what we do instead are look up silly memes, uh, follow uh, influencers, and find differing ways to shore up our own ideas rather than challenging them. We lack the ability to critically think. Um, Before we talk about the solution, what is critical thinking, Dr. Ross? Well, it's being able to evaluate different ideas. I mean, it's, it's fundamentally based on the scientific method. How do you test what's true? How do you test what's false? How do you get the appropriate perspective? Uh, How do you evaluate people that are criticizing or reviewing uh, other material. I mean, I'm challenged by the fact of trying to train lay people how to look at the scientific literature that's on the web, ah. how to evaluate uh, which journals are more speculative and um, you know permit uh, kind of wild ideas, and where can you find the responses to those things? And it's a skill. In fact, uh, what I'm discovering is when we're working with graduate students in a narrow subdiscipline, we have to train them how to go through the scientific literature. I mean, when I was young, there might be six journals in my subdiscipline. Today, there are 40 or 50, sometimes 100. And so how do you go through all those different journals? And uh, how do you navigate uh, archived websites? People think an archive website has everything. It doesn't have everything. 
it might have 90%. How do you find that 10%? And then just training people. Hey, when you're on the internet, if they don't give you a link to a peer reviewed paper, don't even look at it. I mean, if it's a trustworthy source, they will give you a link, go to that paper, read the abstract, but also read what other scientists say about that paper. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to take that on because how you evaluate scientific ideas is how we should be evaluating the news, the issues, the concerns, uh, what comes out of Washington, D.C. We, we need to use these critical thinking skills to challenge, to dig deep. But what is even more difficult, I think, is... Um, challenging our own ideas because we get this emotional connection to our ideas and when someone uh, shores that up when someone agrees with it or has any information whether we've peer-reviewed it or looked into it or uh, studied it just feels good and so we we tend to tribe up and then someone challenges our idea oh boy we're ready to go to war well, not only that, but everybody thinks the internet is a fair playing field. It isn't. The internet has algorithms built into it that feed you what you want to see. And they're not going to give you the stuff that's critical to what you want to see. And so it's a challenge to actually look at all the stuff that's out there. So just be aware how uh, the algorithms are not in your favor in terms of critical thinking. <laughs> And even in the name of your organization, Reasons to Believe, it um, hearkens to the Bible verse that God says, come, let us reason together. Uh, I've often said that and uh, other verses like uh, in Micah where God says, test me, try me, prove me on this. Uh, Show that God is not afraid of you coming to him with a challenge. Wait, I don't believe this. God, wait, what's going on here? You know, I'm reasoning things out. If God isn't afraid of the challenge, then why are we afraid of the challenge? So that's where we're at in our world. We have lost the ability to use critical thinking to assess situations with logic, reason, um, come to a conclusion based on facts. We're, We're hard pressed to do that. But there may be a solution, according to a new study by four Canadian biologists. Maybe we need to just take ourselves for a walk. Yeah, what what these four biologists discovered is uh, that we human beings are not like other animals. We human beings are able to think critically, very deeply, while we're walking and while we're facing challenges while we're walking or running. (laughs) <laughs> and what they did is they did an experiment on uh, eight volunteers where they put them on a treadmill and then they put uh, devices on their legs where they were able to vary the pressure on their legs. Uh, so made it, uh, so, and then they had them do challenging uh, thinking things. They had to identify tonal in, uh, sounds that were getting through a microphone. They had to evaluate them. So they, they, they forced them to engage in some serious thinking all the while they're on this treadmill where they're varying the pressures on different muscles along their legs. And what they discovered was uh, the human volunteers, uh, their leg muscles were able And what was really amazing is how they notice uh, that the human body's designed uh, when the walking challenge uh, varies, 
the body automatically adapts to the most efficient walking gait possible. So if you're going uphill, downhill, fast pace, slow pace, and you have to jump up something, it's like we can do all that without even uh, thinking about it. And therefore our brain can be devoted to other things other than concentrating uh, on our motion uh, through there. And this paper actually got linked with another paper, which made the point, hey, we human beings have a tremendous energy need, and yet we're able to outcompete all the other primates. Now, we need more food, and what they discovered is because of the way we walk and the way our brains uh, automatically adjust our walking, we're able to much more efficiently gather food uh, than all the other primates can. So even though we need more energy to sustain our bodies and to sustain our brains, uh, we're actually able to efficiently gather food at such a much greater rate uh, that it enables us to rapidly advance our technology. I'm fascinated what, if you know what led to this study, what was it that they were looking into that said, I wonder? Well, what started the study is it began to look at uh, non-human primates and said, hey, uh, we noticed that uh, they don't adjust as easily uh, to changes uh, in uh, their mobility that humans do. I wonder if there's something going on here. And so uh, that's where they began to do these experiments in humans and say, now we know why uh, humans are so much efficient in the way that uh, they uh, move throughout their environment than the other primates are, why we can walk uh, 20, 30, 40 miles a day and uh, you know efficiently gather the food we need and all the while be thinking. It's why we're more efficient at hunting uh, because we can adjust to different gates while we're strategizing, okay, how can we uh, best uh, work together uh, to be successful in this hunt? And of course, nowadays, uh, we can walk uh, through, say, a university campus where you're going up and down hills, changing your gait because of traffic uh, while you're solving complex problems in quantum mechanics and relativity. <laughs> So we have this amazing ability to multitask and uh, there is something, there really is something about getting up, uh, getting out uh, and realizing that maybe we were designed to best think, maybe not behind our computer or portable device or, or television set, but maybe we were best designed uh, to really do some of our best thinking um, out in God's creation. What say you? Oh, very much so. I experienced this when I was at the California Institute of Technology. A bunch of us astrophysicists would be sitting around a table trying to solve a problem. We weren't getting anywhere. And we said, hey, you know, I think we need a break. Let's just all of us go outside. We'll go for a walk. And as we're walking, let's see if we can come up with some creative new ideas. And it's amazing how <laughs> much more success we had when the five of us would say go out and uh, take this brisk walk we come back and say, hey, we've got it solved. <laughs> and we would be dialoguing, critiquing as we were walking. Why do you think maybe putting it in simple terms, those that, that getting out and walking really does work? Well, for one thing, you've got more blood circulating to your brain. So I think that's a factor. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, you're, it, you're, you're kind of moving while you're talking to people. Uh, so... Because uh, I think sometimes when you're sitting around, say, a, a conference table, uh, you, you can easily daydream and uh, your mind wanders, you get stuck. 
And that's what we discovered. You know, let's just get outside, get our juices flowing, mm-hmm. uh, get our heart rate up a little bit and uh, see if that doesn't give us a, a, a little more uh, thinking ability. And also what they've noticed is that the human brain is most effective at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you're in a conference center, <laughs> it's around 70 to 75, right? So getting out where it's a little cooler, that can really help. Wow. That's fabulous information. Uh, funny, oh, too. When you're in Seattle in the wintertime, 40 degrees is about right. Oh, <laughs> I had the best walk this weekend. There's a, a lake. It's about three miles around there's a sidewalk where uh, walkers and skaters can go it's called green lake and it's very close to where i am just going for a walk with a friend who was kind of having uh, maybe not the best week ever and just talking just talking it was so therapeutic you just felt great there was there's something to connecting with people there is something to moving as though we were designed to be able to think let's let's put ourselves in a a dangerous situation where you're in a flight mode it's awesome that our brains just don't cut off altogether we're able to make decisions we're able to think things through but sitting behind our computers our devices, our television sets, in a warm house, it would seem science says, well, that's not the best for thinking. So getting out, moving might be a bit of help for us because it almost seems, Dr. Ross, that maybe, especially through lockdowns and uh, people having to connect through computers, which has had some great benefits, also maybe shutting off our brain a little bit and maybe contributing to the reason why we can't communicate with each other anymore. Well, I think computers are a great tool. I mean, look at the advances of technology we've had because of that. But you know, the habit I have is getting up in the morning uh, before breakfast, around dawn, getting outside, uh, going for a two or three or four mile run. And during that time, <laughs> thinking through all the problems and uh, you know challenges that I face that day, then when I get on my computer, I'm actually more efficient, a lot more gets done. And, uh, you know, what we have here at Reasons to Believe, we have something called the three o'clock walk, uh, where we all get up (laughs) from our desks and we just go outside, uh, you know, hey, I'm stuck on this problem. Just go outside, walk for a few minutes, go back to your desk, and hey, uh, you actually get more done. Now that three o'clock walk might be really important. Uh, studies have shown that it's about three o'clock between two and four, right in there, that we tend to just slump. Uh, you feel tired. You're ready, maybe even ready for a nap. And uh, some studies have shown movement and water will just up your energy level. Uh, People will go in and get a cup of coffee. Coffee isn't horrible for you, but water is even better. They're simple, easy solutions that seem to be designed into our makeup. You wrote, you felt so strongly about this. You wrote a blog uh, concerning this. Humans are designed to think while walking. And you talk about much of what we're talking about today. You can find that at Reasons to Believe. We have a link at My Michelle Live. But Dr. Ross, you, you felt that this was important enough to write a blog about. And that's why we're talking about it today. It's not just some nice 
suggestions about things we can do because times are tough, we're not getting along, we're not critical thinking. There's more to it than that. We were designed to move. We really were, and a lot of studies show that uh, we need to have regular walk in our schedule on a daily basis for maximum physical health, but also maximum mental health. I mean, studies have shown that, uh, hey, when you're sedentary, you're not out there walking, you're much more likely to uh, get heart disease and dementia. So, uh, and hey, uh, my policy is well, I'm in kind of a mental rut where I'm stuck and I'm not getting past things. It's time to get up away from my computer. Even if all I do is take a one minute walk, it can make all the difference of getting me out of that kind of stuck uh, position. Okay, that, and that's physical progress. and that's mental. But yeah. there's also that spiritual side as well. And you have often said on this show that God has two books. He has the Bible and he has his creation that he speaks through. You don't get a whole lot of his creation when you're sitting in front of a computer screen, but getting out and, and going for a walk, finding a lake or going for a hike, these connect us with nature. And so it has a spiritual impact as well. It does. I mean, you know, my habit is to get up at dawn. Why? Because that's when I'm most likely to see wildlife. You know, just having that contact with wildlife on a daily basis, it makes all the difference. And uh, I mean, I even had a bear come out in front of me. You uh, What? Oh, I have to hear this story. Hugh Ross and the bear. Well, uh, you know, the, the bear was surprised. I was surprised that the bear just walked a few feet away from me. I sat down and uh, I figured, hey, if a bear is sitting down, it's not a threat. So I brought up my uh, cell phone, took a few photos and uh, people said, hey, there's no way that happened. I said, well, I got the photos to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see those photos. We were we were designed. uh, There's no question about that. Our design is phenomenal the ability to think, to multitask, multitasking, uh, being built into our design is spectacular. My computer can kind of multitask, but uh, there's, uh, there is limits because it'll start and things aren't working right. I'm like that too. I can only multitask so far, but that was put into my program's design. Different windows, uh, for example, will be doing differing things. I'm designed for multitasking and that plays into some of the science behind, uh, our ability to walk and talk and chew gum at the same time. Well, I, the reason I wrote the article is just say, hey, this is another discovery that demonstrates human exceptionalism. It's we humans that can do this. No other animal has that kind of capability. And also, I mean, we're so computer dependent today, but it's like here God created us, you know, 50, 100, 150,000 years ago, somewhere in that range. And he designed us with the capability of typing 100 words a minute uh, the ability to play a, a Liszt piano concerto, he did all that thousands of years before any of that technology existed. It tells me our creator knew we were going to advance to a point where we we're going to need those capabilities. And that was all built in when he created us in the beginning. And we're the only species of life that has those capabilities. So you're saying that dogs, cats, elephants don't think while they walk? 
They don't think while they walk. I mean, they have to be thinking, where am I going? Or are we uh, heading towards the watering hole? There has to be some level of. Well, the, the paper was actually making the point that, you know, uh, the Neanderthals, the Denisovans, uh, Homo erectus, the bipedal primates that preceded us is that uh, their hunting strategies were radically different from when humans came on the scene. And this paper is demonstrating. Okay, so the that's what the, pla- the paper is saying. Humans, yeah, the reason why humans were so much better at hunting and gathering was because we had the capability of thinking while we're in a mobile uh, capacity. While we're running, while we're walking, while we're so, facing a challenging terrain, we can think of that, whereas the bipedal primates that preceded us weren't capable of doing that. Okay, so it explains so, why we're so much more efficient. This is what this paper uh, was, not your blog, but rather the paper that, that we are referring to was uh, growing this conclusion that humanity has this ability to multitask, to think while move, critically think while moving, uh, that would seem to put us at the top of the food chain where an animal is reactive, uh, instinctual, and those instincts are good. That's what makes them dangerous. But our ability to critically think is what helps us to out think them and uh, puts us at again at the top of the food chain well also means that we can uh, gather food with such great efficiency that if we can set aside some members of our tribe uh, to be able to do things like make tools invent things okay uh, so if your whole time is focused <laughs> on just coming with the food that you need you really don't have the time to develop technology, but humans very quickly figured out, hey, uh, the older members of society, we'll take care of them, we'll feed them, and we'll have them uh, make the clothing, the tools, do the inventions. And uh, today, only 1% of the US public is involved in providing the food that we need. The other 99% of us do engineering, technology, science, art. uh, So case in point. Yeah. That's. It's amazing and very important to look at. This is a, a secular article that you're, that you're citing. And yet, again, the deeper we dig into science, the more of the God story we see. So I wanted to kind of uh, go towards the end of our, our interview today and, and talk about that God story. Um, the Bible is ripe with ideas of walking. Um, in Genesis 3, 2 and 3, uh, it talks about the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, there's even an, uh, the inference that maybe that was a regular thing, that God walked through the garden and Adam and Eve hung out with him in, in the garden. We have places where uh, the Bible talks about in Genesis 5, Enoch walked with God, you know, and that was more of a uh, not... Uh, maybe not a physical thing, but uh, it talks about us walking in the spirit and having a walk with God. That that idea of connection and walking is interwoven into scripture. Well, it is, and it was the norm for humans until the 21st century. I mean, there's still a few places in the world where you have to walk uh, to get to work, Uh, but more and more, you just go out of your house, you get in your car, you go to the place you work, 
Uh, you don't even walk to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> nope. uh, there's a parking lot there. And so uh, 21st century humanity is a very different situation than people say 200 years ago, where walking was a regular part of their, they had to walk uh, just to be able to function. Today, walking is an option. And because it's an option, human health is experiencing significant decline. So it's like, hey, there's some real advantages to walking. It actually helped you to be more productive. Let's get back to the way we were designed in the first place. Well put. And and that's the simplicity of our show today <clears throat> as we take on science and technology. We have some big world problems. We're debating issues with COVID. Uh, we have a division that is on the brink of, of violence at all times. We cannot see eye to eye. We cannot come to um, consensus or conclusions. Uh, we have a, a generation of kids who don't know history. We, we're not thinking. Um, we're afraid for our health. All of these issues are complex and we wonder what can we do. And yet, just like life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's really simple. Jesus loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a simple gospel in a complex world. And some of the solutions are so simple. Taking a walk helps you to think. Taking a walk might help us uh, aid us in critical thinking and, and and help us to communicate better. Taking a walk, great for our health in a time where our immune systems, uh, we can debate the merits or the dangers of a vaccine. But if you have a strong immune system, that's basic. You can do that. Get some fresh air, exercise, go for a walk. It, it's sometimes the simple things that we truly miss. Do you think God designed it that way? I mean, and I, I think that's obvious. That seems like a silly rhetorical question. But let's talk in our final minutes about God's brilliance in simplicity and something as simple as a walk. Something as simple as a walk, but I mean, the Bible tells us he's given us two books, the book of nature and the book of scripture. And you know, I'm finding today that uh, for the first time in human history, the majority of the population has never seen the Milky Way. The majority of the population wow. has no uh -huh. contact uh, wow, with wild right. mammals. Uh -huh. And so getting that contact again helps us to see how the two books cooperate one another. Uh, I mean, as I look at the increasing number of people that are nuns, people who have no religious interests, uh, and, you know, people and that's no nuns as in, that's nuns as is N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They have none, right. not nuns yeah, not as talking, is where they have it. those ladies and garbs, all <laughs> okay. right? Thank, thank you. N-O-N-E-S. <laughs> These are people who have no interest or background in religion. and uh, But we see a direct correlation between the rise of the percentage of nuns in the world population and the rise in the percentage of people who don't have contact with nature. Uh, they're not looking up at the night sky. They're not seeing anything there. They're not having contact uh, with wild birds and wild mammals. And it was Job who said, look to the wild beasts of the field. They will teach you. They will instruct you. And what he was talking about is not biology. They will teach you crucial spiritual lessons. Like the fact that uh, they uh, are motivated to come to us and serve and relate us, a higher uh, species. 
Likewise, we humans were designed to come and serve and please a higher being. And just like our sin causes these animals to run away from us instead of towards us, likewise, our sin causes us to run away from our creator instead of towards us. Or like when these creatures are bonded to us, uh, their capabilities are greatly enhanced. Likewise, when we humans have a bonded, strong emotional relationship with our creator, our ability to perform uh, skyrockets. And, you know, we're losing those lessons. Those lessons are crucial. And so, hey, get outside, uh, you know, look at the book of nature. Just don't read some science journals. I tell my scientist friends, simply reading the scientific literature is not getting in touch with nature in the way you think. You need to do both. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. It is that simplicity of the gospel, of God's love for us, and the simplicity of how he's created us to connect with his creation. And uh, maybe some of the problems that we have been facing, my friends, might start being solved by something simple as going for a walk. And I think in that I might have to challenge this very famous uh, statue that we started with the thinking man, it might not be like this, it might be like this, <laughs> we might have to redesign the, the thinking man to be the walking man, because that's where uh, we might do some of our best thinking out in nature and connecting with God. Final question, do you do, you do a lot of praying when you walk? Yes, I do. And uh, I also pray a lot when I'm driving. You're behind the wheel. It's because you live in California. You better be praying while you're driving. That's true. That's true. Dr. Hugh Ross is the founder and president of Reasons to Believe. They have a lot of fabulous uh, blog postings, articles, uh, and books that you can find right at their website. And a lot of the links to uh, Dr. Ross's books you'll find at My Michelle Live. Um, I really want to encourage you to uh, pick up some of their books, read through, study for yourself, challenge uh, things that that don't seem right to you. You know, that's part of the critical thinking, and Dr. Ross isn't offended by that. So <laughs> uh, encourage you to go to uh, Reasons to Believe. And Dr. Ross, as always, it is always a pleasure. Um, The years that we've been able to have these conversations, I have grown. I have learned so much more about God and his creation. And it spurs me on in in excitement about my purpose here. That's what it really is about. We're all looking for that, that answers. Okay. Why am I here? What's the reasons? Well, you can find reasons to believe in God's scripture and you can find reasons to believe when we talk to my friend here, Dr. Hugh Ross. Thanks for joining us. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.